2: Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO.
3: Technology
2: Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis.
4: How was the birthday party? Mm. Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth.
2: It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com.
4: What are you talking about? Mm. Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat?
2: What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to the December 11th, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rortiviz podcast. I'm Anthony Amico, you can find me on Twitter at amixta, and my co-host is Blair Andrews, who you can follow at AmITheRealBlair. Blair, how's it going?
3: It's going well. It's uh, you know one of those rare profitable weeks in DFS for me, and plus I think I'm about to win my first round playoff matchup in like my main Dynasty League, so it's all good
1: that's where it's at man um giants got it done today managed to manage to lose so <laughs> top two draft pick looks really really good right now i'm pretty excited about that um and we got a decent amount of news tonight joining us today on the show to break it all down is spencer limbach spencer is a daily fantasy writer and editor for RotoWorld. world you can find him on twitter at spencer underscore jl spencer thanks for coming on man how was everything
5: uh, everything's all right. I did okay in Daily Fantasy today, despite my main cash game lineups having Alex Smith and Travis Kelsey. So, uh, if you do follow me on Twitter, you'll notice some angry tweets surrounding that, because uh, Travis Kelsey had three chances of getting into the end zone, ended up with zero touchdowns. So that's about a 30 fantasy point swing when you consider I had Alex Smith Uh, throwing the ball to him, and they missed out on those connections. So um, other than that, everything in perspective. I mean, I get to talk fantasy sports and write about fantasy sports for a living. So I guess that everything's all good if you consider
1: that. Yeah, that's the dream, I would say. So I'm I'm definitely down with that. Uh, Let's get right into the news. Uh, Item number one and probably the biggest piece of news this week, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports that the Eagles are – concerned that Carson Wentz tore his left ACL against the Rams obviously this is terrible for the Eagles in terms of real football uh, but the fantasy playoffs are also here and the Eagles have a favorable schedule coming up they play the Giants and the Raiders uh, what would Wentz being out do to how you're valuing those receiving weapons Spencer and do you have any interest in streaming Nick Foles
5: well I, I don't think you downgrade him too much I mean Nick Foles is no slouch he has some experience um, granted not in this system, he was playing for chip Kelly before, but he has NFL experience. He has a legit arm and, um, yeah, I think he can get the job done. I mean, there's all these pieces are in place on offense there. They have a good thing going. Um, maybe you can down tick them a little bit. If you're playing daily fantasy, which is mostly the perspective that I come from, maybe you take a wait and see approach or a flyer on just one of these receivers, um, But, yeah, I think Foles has the ability to get it done.
3: Yeah, it's definitely, you know, a possibility that Foles could get it done. I know we've seen him be kind of really successful in the NFL before, but we've also seen sort of the opposite side of that coin when he was pretty terrible on the Rams. Um, I think I would probably downgrade the passing options a little more than uh, you're suggesting, Spencer, just... um, just because of how how valuable Wentz has been so far this season, uh, you know he's been probably playing a little. Well, he's definitely been playing better than anyone expected, and I think even to to uh, expect Wentz to continue playing at quite so high a level would be not prudent. So, um, so yeah, I think I don't think Foles really has a chance to. Uh, play up to where Wentz was. So I think this is probably a pretty significant downgrade, at least, um, you know, that's kind of how I'm approaching it, you know, a few hours after hearing the news. But I don't know, interesting, interesting situation with fools coming in.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as someone who made a lot of effort to trade for Zach Ertz in Dynasty, because of this playoff schedule, <laughs> um, I can tell you that I am tilting. But I I do think that Foles has redeemable qualities. I mean, amongst backups in the league, he's probably towards the top. So, I don't think it's like a total crash and burn. Uh, my my waiver claim for Foles in my two QB leagues is already in. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready for just inject Nick Foles directly into my veins for the next two weeks. Um, but I, I don't know. Like the, the Eagles, in terms of their overall offense, they have faced you know they've converted the most third and sixes or longer in the league. Like, this is a team that. Uh, I would say struggles uh, on early downs that I think just because they try to be so balanced and, you know, they force feed guys like Blunt and Ajay the ball uh, and put themselves in these like, quote unquote, third and manageable situations. Uh, and obviously, once it has been able to convert there, I'm a little worried that Foles in similar situations is not going to be able to convert as often. I don't think that that's too outlandish. And obviously, as a result, that kind of limits the effectiveness of the overall offense. So I, I would like to see them change their approach a little bit, honestly. Um, But if they try to just stick foals in there and and try to go business as usual, I would expect there to be uh, some struggling.
5: I guess the follow-up question to that would be how you treat these Eagles running backs in the wake of that injury. I mean, is there a little bit of an upgrade for a guy like JJ who looked pretty good on Sunday um, considering they might feed him the rock more? Or I mean, do do you just think the whole offense will sputter and get less red zone opportunities? So it's kind of a wash for him, even if he does see more attempts.
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I think that, I guess I'd probably buy Blunt a little bit here. I mean, I feel like they look they look to give Blunt the ball in close, and uh, he's kind of been uh, maybe not more effective than Ajay straight up, but I feel like he's gotten more more chances overall. So, uh, And the matchups are good. The matchups are really good against the ground also, not just in, in the air. So, I mean, it's not like Philly, I think. Like the matchup for me, I think is what really saves this from being like a huge issue, um, you know. And certainly, I think if they try to just pound it, pound it on the ground for the next two weeks, I think that they could be successful there for sure.
3: I'd probably be more concerned about Blunt than someone like Ajayi. I mean, I think the concerns that they might not have uh, as much, you know, chance of getting into the red zone or getting near the goal line really hurts Blunt's value <clears throat> more than someone like Ajayi who's. Uh, you know more of a threat to break off a long run I think but yeah the schedule's really good so um, you know a couple touchdowns for Blunt wouldn't be out out of the wouldn't be out of left field all right item number two the Browns fired Sashi Brown this week and will retain Hugh Jackson for the 2018 season Uh, so Spencer was this a good move by Cleveland and do you think Sashi Brown's strategies can work in the NFL
5: Yeah, I'm a little bit torn here because I kind of like where Sashi Brown's head's at in terms of his analytic approach to uh, drafting and to analyzing players. But at the same time, just his whole methodology of blowing this up, we're going to build it from the ground up with our draft picks, load up that way. I just, it's so hard in the NFL to create any culture, any contingency, Um, any foundation to really build your team off of. And I think that's where the disconnect came in between him, Hugh Jackson, and the owner. Um, One of them had to go between him and Jackson, and it looked like it was Sashi Brown. It's really a tough call. Obviously, it's a lot easier in uh, basketball and baseball to kind of take that bottom-up approach, load up on a bunch of draft picks, hope they all pan out at the same time. I mean, you look at the Houston Astros, that's exactly what they did. Um, and won the World Series this year. But NFL is a little bit of a different story. You need uh, the culture, the foundation. There's a lot of moving parts when you consider skill positions, offensive line, things like that. Um, I I think they really need to be in search of that foundation and obviously be on the same page from a front office and head coaching standpoint where obviously they weren't, so Sashi Brown had to go.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I mean – I feel like I definitely agree that maybe for football, it's, it's different than it is in the other sports. I mean, NFL, you can make, I think, a turnaround a lot quicker. But I really like what Brown has done here for Cleveland. You know, they are loaded, I think, with really good young players. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser notwithstanding, I, I think that they have, obviously, you know, two, at least two really good receiving weapons. Uh, actually, three, if you include Njoku at tight end. Um I really like Duke Johnson. Uh, I really like uh, a bunch of the guys that they've added on defense. Like I think that they have already added a bunch of guys who will be contributors on that team for a few years. And uh, then you look at the draft capital that he was able to pick up. And I think this year they have two firsts, three seconds. Uh, you know, they are just loaded with, uh, you know, with young players and picks. I, I, I feel like for a team that. At, you know, for a team that really has, hasn't been able to get any talent for years, he's done just an amazing job. And that doesn't even include some of the free agents that he brought in on the offensive line. Like, I just I just don't really see how them being winless is on anything but the coach. Like, like I, I don't know how much of that game you watched today, but, like, they blew a 14-point lead. You know, they missed tackles the whole game. Um, some of the play calls I thought were terrible. Like, in the second half, I mean, Josh Gordon good gosh like the first drive he looked like he was going to dominate the game and then they couldn't get him the football i feel like that's just completely on the coaching staff um you know and then they had this sequence like towards the end of the fourth quarter where it was like third and two on like the seven yard line and cleveland had like all their linebackers and their dbs like they were just like lined up against the goal line as if it was third and goal instead of third and two brett home ended up like running for uh what ended up not being a touchdown but it was call touchdown on the field. Like, I I don't know. Like, I just feel like the coaching staff is, is not getting it done. I I know that, you know, maybe ownership got a little impatient here, but I really do think that kind of what he was doing with that roster was going to work in the long haul. And I'm just kind of sad to see that either, either it's not going to happen now, or like if Cleveland's good, you know, someone else is going to get credit for and it's going to kind of set analytics back a little bit further.
5: But how much does that have to do with him missing on some of those draft picks? I know hindsight's 2020, but everyone will point back to the last two years when they skipped over Carson Wentz and skipped over Deshaun Watson, when they obviously had a quarterback concern, a hold the fill there. And a lot of people are pointing back to that as to kind of I guess you could say the nail in the coffin or one of the final nails that uh didn't pan out and then of course Cleveland being winless this year doesn't help but he got the draft picks he put them in the right position but it I it feels like there was missed opportunities there from an evaluation standpoint that kind of um had him leave town.
1: Yeah, I mean I think I definitely think that like the like the comp- the constant consternation basically from the media, like mentioning those quarterback misses like is a huge factor. But like, I mean, let's be real here. Like a team was willing to give up a ton for a guy who played, you know, one double a football at a really, really good school. I mean, I don't know how much, uh, I don't know how much one double a football you watch Spencer, but the guy that they have starting now at North Dakota state Easton stick, his numbers are better than Carson Wentz's were. And the team is still really, really good. They're like dominating in the playoff right now. Is he going to be available so, in like, the draft this year? Uh, I don't know if he's going to like come oh, the out. The Browns going to take him. Like- <laughs> that's <laughs> no. What I'm but, like, at. that's my point. That's my point. It's, like how how could you have evaluated Carson Wentz at all based on his college? World? I know. Yeah. The- and then you have and, and then you have like Deshaun Watson, who like was a, a super winner. Like obviously, you could tell that he had like a lot of like it factors in terms of football, but you know the arm strength was a really big concern uh you know the loss in efficiency in his final year like i thought there were some red flags there too and again like when teams are willing to give you a lot of assets on you know in exchange for something that is really really difficult to predict which is a quarterback selection really any draft pick right like we're bad at even the best guys at drafting are 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 bad at it like they make a ton of mistakes so like obviously I, i just think that like to get more shots at it, to get more cracks at it, I feel like is, is almost always going to be awful.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, you can point to like a ton of first-round quarterback misses just throughout the years to, you know, kind of say how, uh, how tough a position it is really to evaluate. What I think is especially frustrating about this situation is that it's almost impossible for the browns not to improve from here on out i mean just given i think the all the young talent you mentioned anthony and the picks they have i think they also have like a hundred million in cap space but uh you know sashi brown is probably not going to get the credit for for putting all of that in place um so yeah it's it's a frustrating situation i think yeah, I don't know. Would we like to see Sashi Brown end up in another NFL front office? And any like dream spots?
1: I don't know. I I think like similar like the Hinkie situation in basketball. Like I feel like that guy gets fired. That guy doesn't get a job again for a while, or like you know a similar person doesn't like. Yeah, I think that that kind of sets things back. You know, like the Giants aren't going that way. They already sounds like Gettleman is is kind of a lock there. And uh, I don't know, like, I, I think that it's going to take an owner, uh, you know, that's willing to, I, I guess, take a chance of either way to say it, you know, just in terms of media scrutiny and stuff like that. But I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Sashi's going to be uh, on his couch for a while.
2: Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
1: All right. Let's uh, let's get into the no shit, shit, no segment. First item up this week, we have Kareem Hunt, who rushed for 116 yards and a touchdown on 25 carries. He also caught all three of his targets for 22 yards in the Chiefs' Week 14 win over the Raiders. I'm,
5: I'm going to have to – I'm not buying it here. I, I really want to. I was a believer in Kareem Hunt coming out of college when he, he was first getting the snaps and everything. And it's hard not to buy into him when he was scored, what, five touchdowns in the first three weeks. Um, but so many things had to go right in this game for Kareem Hunt to go off and finally get his touchdown. Um, a tr- one of the Travis Kelsey callbacks that I mentioned in the introduction was uh, he actually – went into the end zone. It was called a touchdown on the field. They reviewed it. He was marked down at the half-yard line. Kareem Hunt finally gets his touchdown on the next play. And then the Chiefs got up in the halftime. The Raiders went, were unable to move the ball, so then they milked the clock with Kareem Hunt. So it's it's just those little things had to go exactly his way to finally have a productive day. It's not always going to happen that way, and I'm, I'm passing on Kareem
3: Hunt. Carlos Hyde rushed 14 times for 78 yards and a touchdown in the 49ers week 14 win over the Texans.
5: I'll say no shit here. I actually like Carlos Hyde, despite uh, game flow situations for the 49ers don't always play in his favor. But something that didn't show up on the stat line here is that he almost had a long touchdown reception as well, where, you know, if he just laid out a little bit more, he might have had it. They target him in the passing game quite a bit. I think having Garoppolo under center will kind of help the 49ers manage the game a little better, maybe take some pressure off of Carlos Hyde, giving him more looks and more holes to run
1: through. Jamal Williams rushed 15 times for 49 yards and a touchdown. He also caught all seven of his targets for 69 yards and an additional touchdown in Sunday's Week 14 win over the Browns. I really want to say no shit here, but I
5: I firmly land somewhere in the middle because – Maybe Aaron Rodgers comes back next week, and we don't really know what's going to happen to the running game. Um, But it's promising to see that he's doing some damage in the passing game, um, getting seven targets and catching all of them, getting an easy touchdown in there. Obviously, he's the running back they like. Aaron Jones today had four carries for negative two yards, if that's any indication as to who they're going with at running back. So I'll lean more towards no shit for Jamal Williams, but there's a small caveat in there. That I kind of want to take a wait and see uh, if Aaron Rodgers does come back.
3: Devin Funches caught three of seven targets for fifty nine yards and one touchdown in the Panthers week 14 win over the Vikings.
2: i'm
5: I'm saying no shit here. I'm a believer in Devin Funches. Uh, I, I think that he's has excellent chemistry with Cam Newton. He's playing a more natural position now that Kelvin Benjamin's out getting into spots that he wants to be in. I think he's more matchup specific. This obviously wasn't a great matchup for him against the Vikings. I think Cam Newton only uh, threw for over uh, less than 150 yards, I think. So if that's any indication of how, how the passing day went for the Panthers, uh, Funchess, his yardage total suffered a little bit because of that. But on the
1: whole, I'm buying into Devin Funches. DeAndre Hopkins hauled in 11 of 16 targets for 149 yards. And two scores, in the Texans week 14 lost to the 49ers. No shit here. I mean, it doesn't matter who's throwing this guy the ball.
5: You had Yates come in, um, in the second quarter and Hopkins just kept on going. I think he had 91 yards and a score at halftime added on to that in the second half. And, um, yeah, this guy's just a beast. I mean, we've seen it. How many different quarterbacks have been throwing to him over the years and he continues to produce, um, Yeah, I'm buying it.
3: Adam Thielen caught six of 13 targets for 105 yards and one touchdown in the Vikings' 31-24 week 14 loss to the Panthers.
5: Yeah, no shit here. I mean, uh, there was a little bit of scare. Adam Thielen went to the locker room, and then I believe he came back, and one of the next targets coming his way, he had a 52-yard score. I mean, this guy just continues to rack up double-digit targets every week. Uh clearly has great chemistry with Case Keenum and he should be continuing to roll in the weeks
1: to come. Jordan Howard rushed 23 times for 147 yards and two touchdowns. He also caught one of two targets for eight yards in the Bears week 14 win over the Bengals. I'm gonna say shit
5: no, just because Jordan
1: Howard is so
5: dependent on game script. The Bears have to be winning in the game in order for him to see any volume. Otherwise it'll be Tariq Cohen back there getting the snaps. And get running those passing routes. So you won't see it too many times this year where Chicago's going to take a commanding lead like they did today and they'll just melt the clock with Jordan Howard, keep running the ball. Um, that's why I'm not buying it right now. I have to say, I underestimated the impact of Cincinnati um, being, you know, having some of their top guys down on defense after that Monday night slugfest against Pittsburgh. Um, Geno Atkins didn't play, Montez Berfick didn't play, and The Bengals were really reeling, and and Chicago was able to run at will. I don't think Jordan Howard's going to have that situation every week, so I'm not necessarily buying in.
3: Jonathan Stewart rushed 16 times for 103 yards and three touchdowns in the Panthers' 31-24 week 14 win over the Vikings.
5: I should know here. This is about as lucky as it gets. Jonathan Stewart's first touchdown, it was a gaping hole right up the middle, and he went for about 50 yards untouched basically um and and then the next two were just one yard scoring plunges so uh you know sometimes those go to cam newton sometimes they like to throw the ball today it just happened to be jonathan stewart who benefited but it's always a risk reward with this guy and usually it's just too much of a risk for my taste but those who backed him today especially in daily fantasy really worked out don't count on that being the
1: case moving forward Devontae Adams caught 10 of 14 targets for 84 yards and two touchdowns in Sunday's Week 14 game against the Browns.
5: I'll take no shit here, Um, but it was really strange because Devontae Adams was pretty quiet despite seeing a ton of targets up until about a minute to go in the game when he tied the game up and then in overtime had a a 30-yard screen pass that ended up winning the game, scoring the touchdown there. So he really kind of salvaged his fantasy day late, but talked about the prospect of Aaron Rodgers coming back. Even if he doesn't, um, Devontae Adams has been the clear-cut number one for Brett Hundley. I think that'll continue moving forward with especially more upside if Rodgers comes back.
3: Todd Gurley rushed 13 times for 96 yards and two touchdowns in the Rams' Week 14 loss to the Eagles, adding three receptions for 39 additional yards.
5: I'll say no shit here. Uh, Todd Gurley... You got to love that efficiency out of him. He's just, uh, it, it's a shame he didn't get the ball more because he was running the ball so well, uh, ripping off some big gainers there. So continue to start Todd Gurley in all formats um, and look to him in DFS. Even if the, the Rams check in as underdogs and game flow doesn't necessarily
1: look in his favor, um, still really like Todd Gurley. Doug Baldwin caught three of six targets for 78 yards and touchdown in Sunday's week 14 loss to the Jags? Uh, I'm going to say it's tough with Doug Baldwin. He's another
5: boomer bust guy, Um, but you have to consider this was one of his harder matchups. I think he'll bounce back, and I'm buying into him moving forward. Um, He he did salvage his day with a touchdown. Russell Wilson got some garbage yards in there, Um, but I think Doug Baldwin is a wide receiver one moving forward. I'm buying in.
3: Demarius Thomas absorbed eight of 12 targets for 93 yards and a touchdown Sunday in the Broncos week 14 win over the Jets.
5: I have to say shit no here. It's it's so hard with the Broncos wide receivers. You don't know if they're going to perform on a week to week basis, um, even if the matchups look well. This kind of goes back to the whole Kareem Hunt situation. Everything had to play in Demarius Thomas' favor and Simeon actually ended up with a pretty nice day and was actually accurate today. Um, I don't think you can count on that production every week out of Demarius Thomas. As good as he is, I just don't know if Denver can get him the ball enough to produce these sort of stat lines.
1: Hunter Henry caught four of six targets for 50 yards and a touchdown in Sunday's Week 14 victory over the Redskins.
5: No shit here. I'm a believer in Hunter Henry, Um, have been early in the season, and as Philip Rivers' stock continues to climb, Hunter Henry's stock will be tied to it. So I really like him for the rest of the year, and he's a great red zone threat, um, especially if there's more attention being paid to Keenan Allen. So um, no shit here for Hunter Henry.
3: O.J. Howard caught four of six targets for 54 yards and a touchdown in the Bucks' Week 14 loss to the Lions, also losing a fumble.
2: I'm
5: going to say shit no here. I don't dismiss... OJ Howard's talent, but I'm just not so sure there's a changing of the guard here at tight end. Um, We saw early in the season, it was Cameron Brait. I don't know if OJ Howard has really, you know, overstepped him at this point in the season. Maybe they're going with the younger player more, but you have to also consider that Mike Evans was tied down in this game with a tough matchup. That won't always be the case. Evans will see more targets in the red zone moving forward. That'll likely be at the expense of O.J. Howard, if not Cameron Bright seeing those targets too. So I'm
1: not buying in quite yet. Isaiah Crowell rushed 19 times for 121 yards. He also had three receptions for 10 yards in Sunday's Week 14 loss to the Packers.
5: I'll say shit no here. Um, The Browns led for almost all of this game, and that's that's where Crowell saw his volume. That's where he got his yardage, and you're not going to see that too many times from the Cleveland Browns. Therefore you're not going to see that too many times from Isaiah Crowell. So I don't think this is a stat line you can really buy into all that much.
3: Eric Ebron caught 10 of 11 targets for 94 yards in the Lions week 14 win over the bucks.
5: I'll say shit. No here. Eric Ebron's just another roll of the dice every single week. Granted, this was a good matchup against a bad pass defense. Um, but he's, it's such a dice throw, and, and I can't really subscribe to it until he shows more consistency, until he convinces me that the drops are out of his system and he's actually a legitimate target within this offense. Um, you have Marvin Jones. You have Golden Tate demanding more attention out there. And I think those are the guys who really like in this Lions passing game, and Ebron is going to have to do a little more to prove it to me.
1: Jared Cook caught five of eight targets for 75 yards and a touchdown in week 14 against the Chiefs.
5: I'll say shit no just because, I mean, his, his touchdown was was kind of garbage time where the, the Raiders were playing catch up. And I have to add one little mention that this game really tilted me from a daily fantasy standpoint because I was all in on Jared Cook the week before with Crabtree and Amari Cooper out. Had no shares this week and sure enough, 75 yards and a touchdown – just goes to show you, but uh, moving forward, not a believer. I don't really know what's going on with Derek Carr right now, but he doesn't look comfortable at all. And Jared Cook hasn't really done much to this point, to the point in this season. So I can't really subscribe to him moving forward.
3: Rod Smith handled six carries for 47 yards and a touchdown while nabbing five catches for 115 yards and another touchdown Sunday in the California for the Giants.
5: I'll say shit no, and this is uh, this is kind of similar to the Jonathan Stewart thing where he kind of fell into a few touchdowns where they were just wide open. All he had to do was not screw it up and not fall over and make the catch on an 81-yard touchdown where he was wide open. Um, the Giants just fell flat in the second half. It looks like they gave up, and Rod Smith was the main beneficiary beneficiary there. Um It really looked like an Alfred Morris day after the first drive. I believe Alfred Morris had 35 yards in that drive. And then Rod Smith made some big plays, really took over the game and had uh, the touchdown run later in that game. So I think it's going to be more Alfred Smith moving forward um, if you're just looking at the two guys here. But today was a Rod Smith day. I'm not buying that moving forward,
1: though. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts for just one week and there is no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple of minutes so you can join one right now. And the best part, play for cold hard cash. Drafts start from just $1 so there is a draft for everyone. No salary caps, play in a real live snake draft, just like you play with your friends in the season-long league. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app at any time. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whatever you'd like. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code RVRADIO. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using the promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on Draft. Search Draft in the App Store or go to playdraft.com and come play free with promo code RV Radio. Now let's get into a couple more regular news items to wrap up the show. Item number three Cooper Cup caught five of seven targets for 118 yards and a touchdown in a Rams loss to the Eagles here in week 14. Uh, that's two 100 yard games in three weeks for Cup without Robert Woods. Uh, Spencer Woods is expected back next week. Can we expect Cup to keep this going? Or will his production look more like it did earlier in the year?
5: Would it be a cop out if I said somewhere in the middle? Because I mean, I'm, I'm not going to deny the connection between Cooper Cup and Jared Goff, and the fact that it's gotten stronger over the last several games. But from a sheer volume standpoint, I don't know if you can if you can count on as much coming Cooper Cup's way. Um, it might be a wait and see approach in daily fantasy especially when you consider that Cooper Cup's salary will likely ascend following the performance on Sunday. So that's the way I'm kind of approaching it. We'll take a wait-and-see approach. I think Cooper Cooper Cup will descend a little bit. How much? I'm not quite sure, though.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that, at least in this game and the last one, he's doing it on pretty good efficiency, like um, 118 yards on only seven targets is is uh probably not sustainable uh five of seven I think in uh last week he caught five of six so I don't know if the catch rate or the yards per target can keep up even even if woods weren't coming back um so you know I'm not expecting his production to to stay at this level he's probably gonna lose a few targets I mean he had what did he have like 11 the last hundred yard game. So I don't see him getting that amount of volume going forward. Um, seven targets is maybe what we can project for him, but it's just hard to, hard to count on more than a hundred yards on seven targets every week. So, yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly the efficiency there is really good, but I I actually think that cup is going to keep this going. Um, if you look at the team's, um, target distribution, like through the first nine weeks, um, Cup only had two less targets than Woods. So I I didn't, I don't think that there was like a a real obvious difference there between those two players, Uh, you know, from a usage perspective. I mean, obviously, obviously, you add like one other body to the rotation, you know, and that changes things. I think Watkins is certainly going to be a bit more of a factor going forward than he was the first eight or 10 weeks of the year. But I, I mean, this is a team that has been successful throwing the football. I think that cup has a really, really strong relationship with Goff. I think even in, earlier in the year when the production wasn't really there, like we saw that he was going to him a lot in the red zone cup was you know, top three in red zone targets. So uh, there is still a lot to really like here with Cooper cup. And, you know, if anything, Woods might just take a little more coverage off of him and uh, you know, certainly we want that volume to stay high, but if it comes down a little bit, I, I still think that cup can, can be a productive player uh, you know, for your seasonal teams, I, I certainly agree that in, you know, a daily fantasy landscape, cups price is probably going to be going up and, and that makes it really difficult to use him.
3: I think one thing that's really surprising to me actually is how good it seems like Jared Goff is at spreading the ball around. I mean, we see woods go out and cup still only has seven targets and, you know, um, Josh Malone is coming in and getting six targets. Um, you know, it's just not something you'd expect, especially after his rookie season. All right, item number four. Uh, Doug Martin started today's game after returning from a concussion. He scored a touchdown early but fumbled later in the game and did not receive a touch the rest of the way, ceding work to Peyton Barber. Is this swap to Barber permanent, and would you be willing to start Barber next week against the Falcons?
5: If it was up to me, I think the swap to Barber would be permanent, but we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, this is where you really pay attention to the news items that come out throughout the week. If we get any indication that Barber's going to be the guy that he's going to get the start, um, I think we can feel somewhat confident in him uh, just because there's not much upside with Doug Martin for the Buccaneers to be playing Doug Martin at this point in the season. Um The second part of that question, would I be willing to start Barber against the Falcons? Um, Depends, I guess. I mean, depends what his salary is going to look like. Depends how much faith we have in the fact that he would be starting if we get that confirmation or not. And for your season long teams, depends how your league's structured your uh, roster spots and what you have available on your bench. Um, I would say maybe as a flex in that scenario, if we get confirmation that he has a chance to start.
1: Yeah, I kind of like Peyton Barber, and shout out to John Moore who uh, was really into him in twenty sixteen. Just a really good weight adjusted agility player, really productive in college uh, in the SEC, which I think is always impressive, uh, especially at that time when he was there. I think the SEC was really really dominant defensively uh, c- compared to kind of how it is today. But you know, that's be that you know that aside, I feel like Barber has certainly been the most effective running back in this backfield. I think that if he could get back to that workload that he had uh, last weekend when he was just used a ton and and was really productive, I think that that could be really useful. I'd like to just see some news, like you're mentioning Spencer of like them taking the Amir Abdullah approach and just making Martin a healthy scratch. Because I, I think that, I mean, their season's over. I think that at this point they're better off just kind of evaluating what they have here. And the Falcons are a really nice matchup. Um, Particularly, I I think if they can get Barber out in the passing game, I would really like to use him. So I'm kind of hoping that it goes that way. But I mean, if this is a situation where their cutter just says, "Hey, you know, like we benched Martin for the game because you know we didn't think he was playing that well, but you know he's still our guy," we're gonna go right back to him. You know, then obviously you can't do that.
3: I think this happened a little bit a few weeks ago, earlier in the season, when Martin was struggling. Uh, in a game they took him out in maybe sometime in the first half and went to Barber, and then the next game they went right back to Martin, I remember. So it's, um, you know, just based on that history, it's kind of a, a tough situation to really predict. Um, so, you know, I think I would expect to see Martin getting most of the touches again next week. Uh, Barber has definitely been the better running back, so, you know, would love to see him get more work, but... It's just really hard to count on.
1: All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Spencer Limbach. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Spencer underscore JL and get that 30% discount for subscribing to Rotaviz through the Rotaviz Radio channel, Rotoviz.com slash podcast. It also helps us if you rate and review the show. You can find us along with the rest of the Rotaviz shows under the Rotaviz Radio feed. We also have our individual feed for just this show, Search Fantasy Football Report on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Subscribe and leave us a rating and review. For Blair Andrews, I'm Anthony Amico. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Report, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed and be sure to contact us via email at RotovizRadioITmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast.
5: This show is presented by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen, and I'm great,
2: thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash xm. You shouldn't go to Barnes and & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Terbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.